Hey, Mum, come and have a look at this. I've got something to show you. Oh, God, what do you want now, Arthur? Go on, read it out. Mummy's Boy with Arthur Hill, a brand new podcast starring Arthur Hill and his mother, Lisa. What the bloody hell is this? I've signed us up to do a podcast. See, this is the contract. Oh, Arthur. It's Mummy's Boy. Mummy's Boy is my new podcast where I head back home each week to catch up with my mum and help bring her into the 21st century. Listen to Mummy's Boy every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. This is a crowd podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Marcus. Aha, Partridge. To be more like Marcus, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and become an official sponsor today. smashed it that was fucking good thank you i've, I've been I, i've realized i'm very like monotonal in my life so i've been trying to add some you know it's a lovely finish that today was really nice it's pitched to my voice but it doesn't really work happiness <laughs> right this is a special one joining me and tom is someone that has been allowed back despite the shower of shit that went down in the 2017 Lions special, <laughs> it's Dan the Cola Bear. Cole, Coley, thanks for coming back, mate. Thanks for having me. Um, obviously, Bestie and uh, Haskell were busy, so yeah, I'm <laughs> glad to, you know, be third choice. It's fine. <laughs> it's nice to establish that early on, isn't it? Just be honest with each other. Yeah, I think that's you know it clears the air, makes it easier. Uh, Tom, I'm I'm interjecting with that, and I am completely calling bullshit on that like there's no way we want bestie back on because every time he speaks it sounds like there's a fucking helicopter in his room and there's no way we want <laughs> haskell back on because every time he speaks it's about him <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> <laughs> yeah so dan you you were the popular choice and it's just great to have you back to then talk more rugby bloody rugby eh? rugger yeah love it now, do you know what my first thought about this opening Game of the Lions tour was? If you were getting into the Lions for the first time and you turn on your television on Saturday afternoon, you would have found it very confusing because the Lions were going to win whatever. That's true. That is very true. I've worked yeah. it out. <laughs> it's quite early for Joe, I think, Dan. We'll just have to help what, him through at this stage. What did he say? It's a reference to the names. Oh, fuck. Oh, God, yeah. No, that has taken a little while to get in, actually. I was trying to go, where's he gone with that then? And now I feel stupid for not... uh, I was was thinking earlier, we have to give them their full titles. Or is that against (laughs) advertising? At all times, yeah. (laughs) I haven't thought about that that hard. We could call it the Johannesburg-based franchise. (laughs) It's a bit (laughs) long-winded. Shall we give it a go? Dan, what did you make of the game? Between the Jedi, fuck it! I wanted. To, I was going to say jihadi. Oh God! It's <laughs> a, a very different sponsorship. What do you think of the Johannes-based? Oh fuck! It's going badly. Oh. It's too early. Isn't it? It's too. Let early. Dan do the Johannesburg-based franchise yeah. bit. Dan, what did you think about the game between um, the Lions and the Lions? It was a good starting point. Um, obviously, you're on tour. You've been there a week. I thought the British and Irish lines probably showed 
You know, they wanted to move the ball around, keep the ball in play. Yeah, it was a good run out. It's weird not having a crowd. Like, you think how good Lions tours are, it's all about, not all about, but having, you know, that stadium should be full, rocking the South African team. You know, you play in front of the Lions. It's, you know, when we were there and we played the opposition, uh, sorry, in New Zealand and every opposition we played, it was like the greatest day of their lives. They were so proud to play against the Lions and it was going to live with them forever and the crowd were loving it, all that kind of stuff. I just felt a bit, I felt a bit of sorry for those players and the fact that, you know, it's one of the biggest games of your lives and that you're in an empty stadium. But getting over that, yeah, the game was good. <laughs> Goes really, it goes really insightful, and that was a great start to it. And then just like such an awkward end to your sentence with, yeah, it was good. It was good. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to drone on about it too much, but you know, because obviously you represent the Lions. But uh, yeah, it just, I thought it was sad that you get one of these great games, and obviously COVID, um, you know, has meant there can't be crowds. I've got a couple of points on here. Um, so I'm really confused. Well, I'm not really confused. Well, I I am really confused. No, I'm li- I'm slightly confused. So we watched that game. It's empty stadium, and uh, I think South Africa are in what level four or what their version of level four stuff is, and so they've got no crowds. And then you flick it over. You watch the Euros. They've got how many? Did they have forty thousand or something in that stadium? It'll be sixty thousand at Wembley for the semi final on Wednesday. Yeah, right. And then earlier in the day, I'd watch Wimbledon. And on centre court, there's, I don't know, it's a packed centre court. No one's social distance. No one's wearing any masks. It's like it's normal. And then on Friday, my brother-in-law wasn't allowed to go to his son's sports day. And then, I know that's a bit of a rant, I'm sorry, but then take it back to the lines and watching it. And what Dan touched on, what you touched on there is, it was horrible. It was horrible. Seeing those empty stands and go, because that's the that's one of the biggest things about the Lions that you go there and it is the their World Cup final. Whoever you're playing that week, so when we in 2017 when we uh, rocked up and played the provincial Barbarians, which you know essentially we should have beaten by 50 points. We're all professionals. They're mostly professionals, but they've just come together and in a week and we're using all the excuses of jet lag and stuff like that yeah 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 now we're blowing you know you know all that sort of stuff but the biggest difference was that they had a massive crowd that it was their world cup final their atmosphere and it then makes the games that much more enjoyable and harder whereas you looked at that game yesterday and it was like 50 points and you're like god you feel sorry for you feel sorry for both sets of of players because you go well the guys of the Golden Lions Johannes based, based franchise um, <laughs> don't get to experience that atmosphere and be like oh it was one of the best days even though we lost or even we came close and then the guys that are playing for the like the British and Irish fucking hell this is hard do we have to do it every week Christ no because the the way the tour tour works is they play different teams <laughs> oh yeah good and. Uh, you know, those boys, newbies to that, that didn't get to experience that, like Sea of Red and thingy. I don't know. It, I think it just emphasised to me that we should have delayed the tour by a year. I feel these are, these are all very valid points. I also feel this is a slightly negative 
uh, way to get this podcast. <laughs> yeah. This is the most serious intro I've ever heard you do, Joe, to one of your pods. You've made, you've made a, a political rant and then you've made a wider administration. Oh, sorry, it's on, had, it was on my chest. And also, if that's the case, I've just looked down... And I'm in my pants, and I'm in, and I kept thinking, <laughs> I kept thinking, cool, that something keeps getting caught, a bit uncomfortable. You re- readjust, and then I've just looked down, and one of my nuts is hanging out. That I've got a hole in my pants, and it's because one of my nuts <laughs> keeps getting caught in a hole, and it's just sorry. Has that brought the tone I felt back like down? We're, we're on more familiar ground now, but I feel much better. Thank you. Tom, it's still quite early and I haven't had my second morning poo. So can we run some adverts and I can, and then I'll be back. Is that okay? Sorry. Hello, I'm Alan Cumming and I have a new podcast called Alan Cumming's Shelves. You see, I have quite a few shelves in my house that are sort of a museum of my life. In each episode, I'm going to take an item off my shelves, tell you why it's there in the first place, then start to talk about my memories of it, and then I chat with a friend who's involved in those memories. I've spoken to Ian McKellen about a hemp bracelet that he bought me on a nudist beach we visited together, Cindy Lauper about a pair of white leather gloves I wore on Broadway, and you even get to hear Jerry Halliwell talk about my Spice Girls lunchbox, and that is not a euphemism. I have some really amazing guests coming on to chat, so I just hope you will join me. And all you have to do to do that is to search for Alan Cummings Shelves, wherever you get your podcasts from. See you soon. Beneath the veneer of the everyday lurks the realm of the spy. From Wondery, I'm Raza Jaffrey. This is The Spy Who, the podcast exploring true spy stories you were never meant to hear with secret operatives playing to very different rules. We'll reveal the invisible work of the world's intelligence services, unearthing daring missions packed with danger, deceit and double crosses. Follow The Spy Who wherever you listen to podcasts. Joe, we need to give a shout-out to our official Patreon sponsors, starting with Pete, saved by the bell. Louis, Sun King Morgan. The Jaybirds, John and Jacob. Becky Rollerball. Dyson. Andrew John Hampstead Heath. Sam the Man Williams. To be more like Pete, Louis, John and Jacob, Becky, Andrew and Sam, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and become an official sponsor today. Right, that's much better. I feel, I feel cleansed. Let's get back to it. This thing, Dan, about the first game, here's, here's one thing I've always wondered. A, people seem to read so much into a first game because it's the only game we've seen. So if you do something okay, everyone's like, oh, put his hand up for the test team. And if one thing goes wrong, it goes the other way. But also as a player, it, it must feel a bit like um, your first day in school and the teacher at the front of the class asks a question and everyone's putting their hand up going, sir, sir, sir. Everyone wants to be the one to make a good first impression. One of my favourite bits about people trying to prove a point in the first games, one of my favourite memories was when um, I remember Gats in the first week of 2017 before, he was like, we know what you can do, but we're looking for, we're looking for that little bit more. We're looking for that X factor. 
to make really stand out. And I just knew when he was saying that, he was like looking around the room, particularly at the forwards, like I'm, I'm mainly talking to the backs here. I'm not really looking for any X factor from you as forwards. <laughs> but however, I looked over at Sink, Carl Sinclair, and his eyes just lit up and I was like, oh no. What, how's he interpreted being more X Factor? Um, and I remember it was like 50 minutes into the first game. Are you taking the piss? It's like Rory Best's helicopter turned up at my house. Can you hear that? Just haunting you. He's haunting you. It's yeah. absolutely, it's absolutely chucking it down. Sorry. Um, we'd been struggling and we were like, right, we need to get some points or a little bit more control of the game. And he gets hold of the ball, quick taps. And no one expects him to do it. He just quick taps, fucks off on his own and gets turned over. <laughs> and everyone's like, fuck, what are you doing? And then he got subbed off. And it was, <laughs> it was as he was walking off, I was like, Sink, I'm not sure that was the X Factor they were looking for, mate. And he's like, oh, God. <laughs> Let's talk about Sinks then, because he played really well on Saturday. And you two know him quite well. He seems a very likeable man. I've got a very fond memory of the 2019 Rugby World Cup, and we gave him on, on Five Live, we gave him a, a Rugby World Cup quiz. And it was quite difficult, and he smashed it. He absolutely smashed it. Is that why you like him? Because he's good at quizzes? <laughs> <laughs> I, do you know what? I liked him because the 10 minutes we had with him, Dan, were entertaining, whereas sometimes the five minutes you might have with a couple of other teammates maybe went a little bit more slowly. Name no names, yeah. Name them. I wouldn't name Henry Slade. I think it'd be unfair. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think Sink will. Uh, it'd be brilliant in that um, lines. He's brilliant on the last tour. Um, he, you know, definitely obviously playing. He does what he does, but off the field, uh, you know, brings a lot of energy. Um, he has a lot of stories, and I say a lot of times, especially in the England setting and stuff, they, you go to Sink to put on a presentation or do something like that, to, and they just, um, yeah, you say it's a lively fifteen minutes, and he, he adds and he, he brings energy to the group which is you know when you're on tour for a long time that's what you need you need those people that are going to step up and add value or you know add energy to the group I mean he's a good player Dan isn't he but let's say he were to come off in a big game and someone had to come on to replace him early doors it wouldn't weaken a team in any way would it (laughs) you'd only lose a final on the back of it let's face it (laughs) (laughs) fucking hell sorry I was just taking a sip of my coffee then and then it dawned, it was this very similar moment to the joke you made about the Lions and the Lions, like the Lions were always going to win. And then I went, fuck, hang on. Oh God, he's referenced that. Yeah, well done, mate. Yeah, okay. What a way, yeah. what a way to lose our guest, you <laughs> fucking helmet. <laughs> I just remember one tweet from that World Cup final, because obviously people who maybe weren't regular rugby watchers watching that final, I remember possibly the most unfair tweet of all time doing the rounds Dan when you when you came on and it was so, I can't remember who it was but it was someone who clearly ne- A never watched rugby before but also didn't have any experience of watching you in action and all the fantastic things you've done for England down the years and it was just along the lines of who's this old man who's come on for Kyle Sinclair <laughs> which which felt extremely unfair at the time but factually correct yeah in some ways <laughs> Well, it felt unfair, but was actually bang on. Whoever that is, is a very astute... uh... (laughs) Yeah, they they knew, didn't they? They just knew at that point. Um, Yeah, thanks for, you know, 
Yeah, sorry, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just googling um, how to get out of awkward situations. Best ways to get out of awkward situations. Okay, just start whistling. So, how about the weather? Uh, it's rainy. Isn't weather's uh, good. He yeah. it. Uh, here's a controversial one. Do you think that players, uh, you know, people, a lot of journos always talk about having credit in the bank. They always talk about credits in this bank. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what are, they, are you like weird? What do you mean about this bank? Where's this bank of selection? I'd like, I'd like to deposit some cash into this bank of selection for me, please. Do you think there's players that have been picked on that tour just because of what they did four years ago? Yeah, credit in the bank is a nonsense phrase. Like, it's one of those phrases you would never say to a friend, would you? You'd never say, oh, you've got credit in the bank. I'll tell you what, I've just put some credit in the bank. It's a phrase that only does the rounds in sporting terms. I think, and without wanting to go back to the football too often on a rugby podcast, I think as a coach, there is often, not you have favourites, but you just understand what certain players can do, can't you? And in the same way as Gareth Southgate stuck with Raheem Sterling for England at a point where everyone else is going, Sterling's rubbish, he's done nothing for City. Because Raheem Sterling had always played really, really well for Gareth Southgate and Gareth Southgate knows his game and trusts him, then he was going to pick him. Then maybe it's the same with certain players and, and Warren Gatland. Um, certainly some of the Welsh boys who he knows really well if you think about Dan Bigger at 10 and the fact that it looks like Dan Bigger is going to be his first choice and we probably think Finn Russell would have to do something amazing to start but maybe also with someone like Elliot Daly because he was one of the more maybe not controversial because he's obviously a fine player um, and has proved himself down the years but, but one of those more questionable ones in the eyes of some people and certainly picking him at centre rather than the fullback. I think... Um, it depends as well on uh, the systems you play. You know what I mean? It, it's kind of, you talk about credit in the bank, but Gatland has a way he wants to play rugby and he has to find the best players to fit his system, which, you know, might not be, someone might be tearing up in the premiership or, you know, whatever the other leagues are. But, you know, it doesn't mean that they're going to suit his style of play and, and how he wants the team to play and, the image of the team he wants so he knows how people will fit and even if they're not at a hundred percent you know not playing the best rugby they've ever played six months ago they might be much better in his system how he wants to play which you know would help those players does that mean that he, the way you've just described it is that he hasn't then picked the best players in the british and irish isles he's picked players that suit his game is it i thought the lions was about picking the best players but then you, the best players are always subjective to the head coach anyway, so it's like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, how can you call opinion, it? Isn't it? Yeah, it's, it, it does confuse me because you go, oh, well, you're the best of the best. But the Lions want to win, so you pick and you need a squad. You can't just have 15 good players. You need a squad of however many players they got that are going to work together off the field. You spend more time off field, don't you, than on it. So you've got to have that cohesive unit and stuff that works well and you can't have the team pulling itself apart. You need one squad that's going to push the test team to be as good as it can be and that's where you need your third choice for instance might not be the best player in his position but he will fit in he won't detract from the toil ad he'll work hard every day he'll do all the things you want he'll do the midweek games he won't complain he'll love being there and he's not going to take away any energy from the team and if he has to play in the test team he's a good enough player to do it so how the fuck have you been on two tours when you've just described uh, the complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. So my question is then, 
And I agree with you. It is about the t- the test team winning that test the test series. But if you're suggesting that the third choice in a position isn't the third best in the islands, then you go well. H- hang on, it's not the best of the best. Or are we just go in. It is the best of the best for the t- for the test team. And then we have to fill the rest of the squad with who we think the best, particularly on this tour, who we think the best, not yes men, but the best guys to create an environment that won't be difficult for people to, you know, that that don't go off tour, that don't make it difficult well, for everyone else. The thing is, it's subjective, isn't it, in regards to like, you have to look at um, Porter and Sink, for instance. It's like, who's better? Most people say Sink. But one thing I think Gatlin does really well is he picks squads that work and uh, you look at the Lions when they last when they toured New Zealand in when was it the Woodward one which basically tore themselves apart didn't they and just 2005 yeah. Whereas, yeah 2005 whereas you look at you know Gatlin's once he's been in charge of the squads have been really good yes people know it's going to be out of joint because you go there to want to play but at the same time he picks people that will use that motivation to perform well in midweek or push a test team and that kind of stuff one thing it does is Gatlin rid as well is picks great squads of players. Joe, what's Elliot Daly like? Hairy. But he's, you see he's hairy. His beard is unbelievably well tended. Yeah, but like, like it's, every every other part of him is hairy. Ev, every other part of him is hairy. Even the soles of his feet. The soles of his feet are hairy. You know, like, diamonds on the soles of his shoes. It's... Hair on the soles of his feet. Hair on the soles of his feet. Elliot Daly. So he will be the hairiest man on this Lions tour, will he? I'm just trying to go through the squad really quickly. Yep, hundred percent. He's like a he's like a tarantula, you know, like all just it's just covered in it. It's hilarious, you know. There's that. There's that. Oh, just so hairy. He must he must really struggle with the heat at times. Doesn't hairiness make you like? Hot, or does it help you cool? You say he'd struggle with the heat, Joe, but he wouldn't struggle with the cold. Yeah, but it's hot. It's Africa, mate. It doesn't exactly experience cold that often, does <laughs> it's, it? It's winter time. It's, it's is it winter, winter time. over there? No, it's not. Is it? In the southern hemisphere, they're not in the southern hemisphere. They're only an hour ahead from of us, aren't they? No. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Talk to me. Lads, don't just look at me like that. Talk to me. <laughs> Dan, do you want to do the honest? Do you know where the you know where the equator is, Joe? I don't know the exact position, but it goes like halfway around the world. Yeah, yeah. Which are we above or below the equator in Britain? Well like we're above it, but I'd say Yeah. Down near Brighton yeah. and like Guernsey and Jersey, we're like on the cusp. <laughs> Jersey's on the cusp of the equator. But the weather's better in Jersey and Guernsey and Brighton. The weather's better in Brighton than it is in Newcastle, mate. So, yeah, I'm near the equator. Stop looking at me with those fucking vague faces as if I've said something stupid. <laughs> Just inform inform me what is going on. I thought South Africa was only it's like an eight hour flight away and I thought they were only in like an hour's difference in time and therefore I thought they yeah, were in our same time, time zone. Yeah, if you go straight down straight down yeah. like they're in yeah. the different hemisphere, they're in the southern hemisphere, we also you're just going south, aren't you? But they're only like only an hour here because time goes 
left to right with the sunrise around the globe, doesn't it? <laughs> what do you mean time goes left to right? Or wherever it rises fucking, in the I'm east and this. sets in the west, isn't it? I'm not fucking having this. You do this on the fucking regular show, Tom. You get people on that you know and you pretend you don't know and you try and trick me into looking stupid. And what you've done here is you set up a private WhatsApp group with Dan and Lou and you go, this is how we're going to catch him out today. This is... And now I sound like a complete narcissist that's just going, oh, it's all about me. Oh, fuck off. I thought there's no jet lagging thingy so why is this why is there winter now why is there why is there winter and hang on even if it is their winter it's still not cold there mate is it they were wearing coats at the end of the game in the altitude yeah is it not cold in winter at i think joe we can summarize this by saying that elliot daly's hirsuteness may be an advantage for him as a rugby player who plays a winter sport if he were a track sprinter or perhaps a cricketer, then it may be more of an impediment. Yeah, but what does my nut about Elliot is that more than any other professional rugby player I've played with or against, is he wears sleeves, long sleeve skins. And I'm like, you don't need to do that, mate. Like, you've already got, like, long sleeve skins with your hair. So it makes (laughs) me feel uncomfortable that he's getting really too hot and claustrophobic. Is it to make him more streamlined if he's that hairy? Because he does have wheels. Is it just to make him slightly slipperier through the air than his natural hairiness would allow? Dan's the expert on um, speed here, as as you'll find out um, by the link that I'm going to post along with this podcast of Dan's sprint training with... Um, who <laughs> yeah, Who's the sprinter that you. you did this advert with? I don't think he wants to be named. I don't think he wants to be associated with me anymore. So <laughs> okay. I, I can't, I can't remember. I think it's either Darren Campbell... No... Marlon Devnish. It was Marlon Devnish because you both had really shiny bald heads and you trying to get out the starting blocks on this track is some of the fucking mess. Tom, have you seen this? It's Tom, gold, have you seen it? it? Uh, oh my God, I, I it's so good. I can't wait I literally, I fall out the blocks and I can't believe they actually kept that in. Um, and then, yeah. Him, like, him being taken through these underneath. high knee sprint drills. And then they get the Go blocks on. and they're like, right, we're going to work at a fast start. And he tri- <laughs> trips over. He falls out the block. Honestly, it's so bad. It's so bad. There's like comments saying, there's comments from people saying like, good luck in the Paralympics and good luck trying to qualify. I'm like, oh, brilliant. So horrible. <laughs> I'm that bad. People that didn't oh. think I'd play rugby. Great. Um, I've got two uh, lines topics for us, boys, before we should probably have some messages from our listeners. The first is, seeing that we were talking about Joburg, um, and Joburg is, I think, about a 1,000 metres above sea level. When you're playing at altitude, what do you, what's the first thing you notice physically? Shortness of breath in the warm-up is the first thing I noticed. When we were playing there, <laughs> I remember doing the warm-up, and you're thinking, you, plan, you sort of start breathing heavily quicker, don't you? And you're like, oh, I'm really up for this. Then you realise that, Oh no, no, we're it's altitude, so you're about out of breath. But I don't think it like being slightly fatter. I'm used to being out of breath, so it's not really that much of an issue. <laughs> I remember in that second test back in 2012 that I think we were like 21 points down, weren't we? After like half an hour, and we were bl- like blowing. I was like, I'm blowing hard here, harder than usual. All the nerves and all that lot that make you really ner- like. 
anxious and <laughs> it was even more so and I couldn't ever catch my breath thinking shit we're gonna get like 60 points put us put on us here and luckily they sort of took their foot off it and we clawed back and did a respectable score but the thing was always about training at altitude like trying to replicate it and I went does that actually make a difference but it just makes me feel like it would bring more anxiety they go you've got to get used to it I'm like no I'd much rather go in there blind I'd much rather just just do it and be out of breath because you know you're going to be out of breath no matter what so why practice being out of breath you're only going to cause yourself more harm okay here's my here's my final rugby related point and that is the possible miracle comeback of Alan Wynne-Jones yeah what is is this like a giant I don't know media campaign or something what is it is this legit Dan what do you think do you think it's who was it who said, I think it was uh, Robin McBride. No, it was Neil Jenkins in the press the other day. It was Jenkins, He it? said yeah. um, if he was a bit younger, they'd probably take a little bit more precaution over this injury. You know, they'd say don't risk it or whatever. But because he's where he's at in his career, it was, I don't know, it was the subliminal messaging coming across from Neil Jenkins was, well he could potentially wreck his shoulder really badly here if he does attempt to come back quicker than he should. But because he's old and he's got 100 million caps, he's not. He's prepared to take that risk just to get back for the tour. What do you think, Dan? I think if there was a high chance that it kept him in the tour, because they've done it before with boys. I remember, you know, there's been a lot of injuries on Lions tours where people don't play and then they come back for their tests. So... That surprised me. And part of me thinks, is it just a ploy to, you know, get one talking about it, like we've fallen for it. And, you know, then it becomes, it sort of makes a difference who are, makes Africans think about something else. But yeah, if he, fair play, if he comes back, fair play. And, and also tips. What about our mate tips? Poor oh, old yeah. Justin Tipprick. I feel. He had to pull out yeah. the tour because of his, his nose was too uh, swollen. Um <laughs> Technically, I mean, but no one cares the, about it. Because Alan Wynn went off as well, so it's like, yeah. Uh, so the, and, and the trip, Lions have lost one of the best open side flankers in the world, and no one's mentioned it. He's just gone back to Trabanos <laughs> on his fucking fifty acres, yeah. just being like, "All right, then I'll just crack on." Five hundred acres. Yeah, he's also super unlucky because he was only playing in that game against Japan because. Hamish Watson got concussed in training. Or did he? And how, well, how did Hamish Watson get concussed? He ran into Alan Wynn. There's some, mate, we could start some sort of line of duty conspiracy theories on all these selections. And I think we should. We should have like a section, <laughs> like a um, a lion of duty. Oh. oh. Yeah, who's the, who's the wordsmith now, motherfuckers? Dan, look at his face. I've never so seen anyone look so smug. Look at him. I don't know where the sun atmosphere is, but yeah, line of duty. <laughs> Delighted. Oh, fuck off, would you? I, I knew that. I knew that. Oh, God, there's no coming back from it. Joe, I'm going to do some quickfire listener messages for both of you. And if you just both give me a quick response to these, let's see how we go. The first one is from Windy Rhino, which is Windy's real name. Um, so there's no need for those smirks. Wendy asks, what the hell is this Hamish Watson slash Johnny Hill hair all about? It's slightly unfair to ask Dan about this, but I'm going to. Oh, um, quick response. It's cool. 
Dan, if you could grow that hair, you would. I know full well. I've seen photos of you when you did grow your hair, and you used to have a well, long, one thing I regret. Well, I know I did, but that's because I knew it'd fall out. One thing I regret about lockdown, looking back now, is I didn't grow the Hulk Hogan and just like round the leave the top, <laughs> but round the back and sides. Just <laughs> why does it have to? Why does it have to be lockdown, Dan? Do it now. Start now. Start the campaign. We need to start the campaign. Gonna be, it's going to be dreadful. Like it's going to look so stupid. People will see it be so stupid. Whereas like in lockdown, I disappeared for however long it was three, four, six months, and no one saw me. And just coming back, I could have been like Hulk Hogan. Next question, Joe. In fact, Dan, this one is one for you. This is from Richard Kellaway, who says, Chris Harris alongside Farrell worked well. Hi, Richard. Yes, it did. <laughs> you wanted quick fire, didn't you? You wanted quick fire, so, yeah. He did, yeah, you did, actually. Yeah. Well, quick quick fire, yes, but, but a full answer. I mean, should we say quick fire is maybe 15 seconds? Would that okay, help? do him again, do him again. Yes, it worked well. Were they particularly challenged by the Johannesburg-based franchise team? I don't think so. It would be interesting that combination grows. Um, <laughs> but yes, it was a good start. Oh, here's a really, here's the question that's been on the tip of my tongue for quite some time now, Dan. Who do you think the Test 12-13 combination is going to be? Good question. I think Farrell's probably going to play 12 because I think Big is going to play 10 and you bring Finn Russell on the bench to add more. 13. Ooh. It's a good question. It depends, because, say... Do you know any of the other 13s? What, what position's that? <laughs> oh, outside centre. Um, yeah, yeah, loads. Um, <laughs> there's... Uh, Harris. And... <laughs> Bundyaki. Uh, they don't really play 13, it's 12. Really. What about um, Robbie Henshaw? Are they going to put Robbie Henshaw at 13? Yeah, Henshaw, that's the thing. Yeah, cause Henshaw, yeah. Cause, but if you remember the first test... T.O. played 13, didn't he? And Farrell at 12, Sex and 10. So they like yeah. that. They like ball carrying thing. Um, so, yeah, and Henshaw can distribute a bit. But, yeah, Henshaw, Harris, Daly. But Daly's probably going to play in the back three. Fucking hell. I'm, I, I really hope people tune into this show. Or listen. Is it tune in? Inside. Yeah, we'll, we'll say tune in just for our breakdown and opinion on the 12, 13 <laughs> <laughs> fucking centre combinations for the test team. What the fuck are we doing? Yeah. We are yeah, completely just, just edit that full out, of shit. Edit that out. We, don't, we don't want to know about that, do we? I, I, my best answer was, yes, they did. So let's just cut that there. Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh. Well, Tom, I think that is a really natural way to end this Lions special podcast with me and Dan discussing the 12-13 combinations for the Lions versus South Africa. What a shower of shit we are producing on a bi-weekly <laughs> basis now. Of course, Joe, the good news is that we will be releasing these pods every Thursday, every Sunday evening slash Monday morning for the duration of the tour. Goody, goody gumdrops. Um... Can we have Dan back? Dan, can we have you back at like either either all the time or at least at regular points, please? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to come back on. Uh, just give me you know a few weeks to prep for my next. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so fucking enthusiastic! I've just I've, well, you've, you've had me on twice now, and I don't know if I've got much more great chat left. <laughs> to be honest, you know, I've I've used my good stories. I've used my insight. 
Tom, what's your assessment? I think Dan is looking for a, the warm arm of friendship over his shoulder for me here, Joe, and to reassure him that his chat shows no signs of running out whatsoever. I know full well, though. I know firsthand that his chat doesn't run out. So he's full of shit. Like, he's witty, he's dry, he's insightful, um, he's informative, he's a really nice guy, he's miserable, he's happy, he can be so many things. He's like, he's like a, he's like kinetic sand. Yeah, yeah, you can, you can mould him into anything and at the drop of a hat you can crush him by bringing up the World Cup fucking final, which is what you did, Tom. So you should fucking feel really, really bad. (laughs) (laughs) So that was a very pleasant way to spend uh, the first part of my Sunday morning. What a nice man Dan Cole is. Do you mean that? Yeah, sincerely. Hand on heart. All of it, the nice way to spend the morning and Dan is a nice man every single word that I said Joe I mean I'm glad you said that actually because I agree I thought that I thought I was a little bit worried that oh is it going to be too nauseating talking about rugby and there's fucking rugby podcasts coming out everywhere do you know what I mean coming out all that lot and and are me and Dan the best prep to really talk about rugby because we're both known as being quite miserable and sappy and all that sort of shit and then I went no speaking to Dan warms my heart He's a lovely, lovely human being and incredibly intelligent. And what really fucks me off is how smug he is about it. And he's very similar to you. (laughs) But that's great news, Joe. Little heads up. If you are new to this podcast, go and download our Best Bits episodes, two of them. Do that now. You can get a feeling for what me and Joe witter on about normally. In the meantime, we will be back on Thursday after the next Lions game. Goodbye, all. Network, a place where you belong.